Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. That's PT. Uh, we are here with Sabaz and Thea recording a special episode. Hey. Yo, yo. On our podcast series. Uh, it'll probably be a whole lot of me yapping, but they'll come in at the end and help us out um, as we seek to just apply uh, this truth to our heart. Um, you know, this is we're we're here because we couldn't get the sermon recorded. And we, I really just wanted to make sure uh, for as much as possible, as many people who wanted to be involved, that we were on the same page. Um, sermonically headed into um, the new year where people primarily shaped by God's word and um, if you're a part of this church or any church you just kind of want to (laughs) be you want to be up under the same word they're under um, because there's there's certainly a path um, that I think God's under shepherds are being led by him to lead his people on and so anyway the series is um, what our soul needs the most or something to that effect. Um, I'm sure it is. But um, it was inspired by a, a YouTube podcast episode that um, I heard from um, uh, Kerry Newhoff as he was um, interviewing John Eldridge, um, who is a very accomplished theologian, um, counselor, and preacher, and author. Uh, they were together kind of unpacking all the trauma of covid and man just going through the litany of lists of things that people are experiencing and just both kind of coming to and acknowledging that man we will not know the full extent of all the things that we have collectively gone through as a society until many many years from now Um, but what john offered uh, really as a thesis is that come what may um, what the soul most needs is god um the one who created it and uh you know he he kind of supported that by just saying that you know immediately after um society reopened everybody tried to jump back in and immediately get involved into the things um, that they were unable to do while society was locked down only to you know come to the conclusion that man once they did those things they took those vacations they did those activities they got involved in those things and whatever they were that that didn't satisfy the holes that was in their heart. Um, and so with that in mind, uh, I want to just kind of jump off um, and just uh, dive into this word um, that we have here, the first iteration of this series, what our soul most needs is God. And I want to talk about uh, what is our soul. I want to talk about um what it needs, which is God. And then I want to just talk about how to access it briefly. Um, and actually, I'll spend the rest of the you know, the three weeks or the two weeks remaining in the series, probably really just unpacking how to access that gift. But let's talk about the soul first. Um, Essentially, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of ideas about the soul. And I would start off by first saying um, that the soul is a pretty complex um, idea, both inside, uh, secular society and both inside of christendom and i just pause real quick i just now i'm coming to hear from sabas and thea so uh, give me one sentence somebody said what is your soul what would you say what is your soul 
I, I would probably say like my entire being. Okay. Internally and externally. Absolutely. Well, but mostly internally. But mostly internally. Yeah. Okay, bad, bad, bad. Yeah. I would say it's some sort of spirit. Yeah. Yeah, something that we don't like emotions. You don't see them, but yeah. you feel them and you feel and without it, it's like something's missing. Yeah. Well, I love that. I think earlier on, um, there is a very platonic view and idea of the soul, um, very distinct from the body. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know, it kind of fed into uh, um, a heresy in the first century church's day called Gnosticism, essentially, where it's like, man, the immaterial world is good, the material world is bad. And actually, in that Platonic theory, it was more more like, hey, you know, the, the body is like the cage for the soul. Mm. And so ultimately, where we're headed, where you want to be, is you want that soul to be released um, from its cage. And so that was also, like I said, a heresy in Jesus' day called Gnosticism. Um, but that is not the biblical idea of the soul at all. It's actually a little bit closer um, to where Thea was going, you know, right off the bat. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament kind of support these idea. Genesis 2 and 7, this is kind of when uh, um, the first creation account, if you will, God, or one of the creation accounts, God forms uh, Adam and Eve, and, and, and essentially, and man became a living being. Um, and the word there, nephish, uh, we believe, soul, um, speaks of not just the inner man, but really the entire package of man. The man became a whole uh, living being. And so the New Testament also kind of supports that too. Uh, Jesus, as he talks to his uh, disciples, uh, they are, um, Luke 14, 26, um, the condition of discipleship is to hate one's own soul. Um, that is to be willing to deny oneself to the point of losing one's own life for Christ's sake. So both the Old Testament and New Testament don't do that sharp separation of body and soul. Soul kind of talks to um, man as a complete living being, both body, mind, and soul. Now, I will also say it's our instinct. Nobody says, you know, you know, if somebody's like, yeah, that, man, that brother got soul, or they singing with soul, you know, uh, they're not talking about someone's countenance, are they, no. right? They're talking, mm -hmm. there's something kind of intrinsic yeah. that's coming out. There's a spirit, spiritual inner kind of element. And so um, the Bible also supports those kind of things, too. Um, Jesus, as he was praying, um, you know, I think this is Garden of Gethsemane, right? The latter part of the Gospels um, where Jesus talks about his soul being crushed. Um, and Jesus also promises rest uh, to the souls of those people who come to him. Really that inner emotion, um, desires, and wills, right? Um, but with that being said, just, just trying to frame up a theology for the soul. Um, I think it's just safe to say when we start talking about somebody's soul, it's, it's who they are. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's representing their whole kind of being. Um, and secondarily, I would just say the soul may be more than your inner being, right? It may be more than your inner being. It might could be your whole countenance, but it's never less than your your inner being, right? So could be more than your inner being, but never less. And so with that being said, uh, my, my brother Dallas Willard, uh, Hearing God, we, we did that book study last year. Um, he says, you are, you're a soul made by God, made for God, and made to need God. And what is running your life at any given moment is your soul. Not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not your feelings, but your soul. And I just want to go back real quick uh, for the parishioners. This is really one of the points where I pause in the sermon. I just want to make sure you understand where we're going. Really, the idea here is just what your soul needs most is who created it and, and basically 
the one who created it to run on the fuel of himself. Your soul was made by God and it was made for God and it was made to need God, right? You know, sometimes we, I think we kind of trick ourselves. If we, if we look with our worldly eyes and we think about maturation, you know, I think part of becoming an adult is to depend on less things. That's, you know, mm. whether we communicate that or not, mm. that's just what we believe. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, I don't need my mama. You know what I'm saying? I pay my own bills. You know what I'm saying? Or some of us lament the fact that adulting is hard, Sabas, <laughs> and we now have to start doing things for ourselves. But we laud that, right? Yeah. That's maturation, and that's the direction. That is the exact opposite of Christianity. God. Come on, man. The more we grow in Christ, the more we realize our need. Yes. And we celebrate that neediness. You know what I'm saying? There mm -hmm. is nothing to be ashamed of the fact that you need God. And as I am saying today, that's exactly how he wired this system. Uh, there's a quote that I'm going to get to from C.S. Lewis a little later that I think just puts it even better. But this is one from Deborah Haddix, who wrote an article for Crosswalk.com. She says, the soul is the aspect of who of your whole being that pulls everything together. The life center of human beings. The soul seeks to integrate our will which is our capacity to choose our mind our thoughts and feelings and our body our little power packs filled with appetites and habits into a complete person um, Dallas Willard says that the soul is the CPU um, the driving force behind everything that matters to us and so here's a couple characteristics of the soul also from that article from Deborah Haddix um, first of all it's alive and created by God right so I think I'm all about redeeming language you know you know there, in, especially in our time, you know, people, everybody's beginning the year, you know, everybody's talking about getting healthy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but what are they talking about? So I think it's just, you know, I like to be specific for the Christian. Like, what are we talking about? When we start talking about, I want, my, my, I want soul care. What are we talking about? Well, mm. first of all, we're talking about, hey, man, I'm not just talking about any, any soul anywhere you can buy from any Target. But my soul was created by God. Jeremiah 38, 16. The Lord lives who made our souls. Psalms 139.13, you created God. The God of the heavens created my inmost being. So when I'm talking about soul care, I'm talking about taking care of the soul I've been stewarded, given to. I'm a steward of, been given by the creator of the universe, right? The soul has great and infinite value. It's more worth more than the world. Matthew 16.26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? Your soul is, can you know, the, it can fluctuate between sh strong or weak or healthy and unhealthy, right? Uh, 3 John 1 and 2, this is one of the verses I grew up hearing. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Obviously, your soul can be saved or lost, James 1.21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the world planted in, world planted in you, which is able to save your soul, right? So all this to say, the soul is created by God, it's created for God, and it's made to need God. So what does your soul most need? It needs God, y'all. It needs God. Do y'all believe that you could either choose it from either point of view? Do you believe that the everyday secular human believes their soul really needs God? And maybe that's too easy, but somebody can take that one. But do you actually believe that the average Christian 
truly believes that their soul really needs God? Hmm. I mean, for the first one, I think the, the average secular person, uh, what I have come to just witness is that they just think everything is physical, Mm -hmm. that there's always a physical remedy for whatever physical illness or whatever physical thing is going on to them. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a, like an emotion, like I said, there's, you know, meds and there's like, like things you can do to, to remedy through that. And I don't think that they realize that it goes deeper than that. Mm. I think that, well, you know what you're saying that the soul is like in you. I don't think there is nothing that a secular person can do that can treat whatever they're going through. Mm. Cause I think ultimately if you're, if the soul is that like um, the foundation of everything and if your foundation is cracked, if it's rotting and you're just treating other symptoms and you're not treating it at the root, then I mean, what are you treating? What are you treating? So yeah. I mean, again, again, talking about just like that secular person, no, I don't think that they realize that, Hey, they, I have a soul and I need to take care of that soul. Yeah. I can take, uh, I take care of everything else, but if I'm not, if, if they can take, a, they can take care of everything else, but if they're not taking care of the soul, what's the point of taking care of everything else? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, um, I think interesting, interestingly enough, you know, the world that I see of maybe 20, 28 to 28 and up, I would say people who are in like, you know, my direct sphere, secular or not, I think, a lot of them, well, secular specifically, like it, it's very much a spiritual way right now it where is. I feel yeah. like people realize that they need something outside of themselves and manifesting and, you know, um, the universe and all of those crystals. things, crystals, mm-hmm. sage, you know, like we need to set an atmosphere. So I think that there is a, re- uh, like a realization that, there's a need for something now obviously Mm. i don't think that they believe that they need god uh at all but i do think that they realize that there's a need for something outside of themselves like they feel small enough to where it's like oh wait there's something that i do need so i think Mm. that way secularly um and then i think for the christian you know myself included we were talking about this in our staff meeting um but i think there is this there's this weird space that you get in, I think especially if you've been a believer for a long time, where you just kind of go through the motions, mm. you know? And I, there's not a there's not a uh, a realization that, wait, no, I do, there is a constant need for Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, like this. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to, when you start a sermon series that says what my soul needs most, um, I think a lot of times for myself, even I feel like I need soul care. I need systems. I need atomic habits. I need all of these things when, you know, what I need more than anything is, is God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that it's, it definitely gets off kilter and it, I don't know that it takes very long for, mm-hmm. for Christians. I think you can, you can get that initial jolt of zeal initially. Mm-hmm. And then when life happens and you get kids and you're still single or, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, you're in this in-between space, it's like, well, what I need is a new job or yeah. a new this or, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, or safety or protection. Yeah, That's so good. So I, I love just both of those bookends. You know, you got this substitution person, person who just, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, all, all of my solutions are in the material world mm-hmm. or effort. And then you have these people who now have started to realize, oh, you know what? I do need something um, bigger, um, 
but are not tracing that to the God of the Bible who who has created them. And so um, this is that C.S. Lewis quote. He said, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine, and now God designed the human machine to run on himself. Hmm. He himself is the fuel for our spirits that our spirits were designed to burn or the foods, food our spirit was designed to feed on. And I think that's just, that's where we, and to me, I feel really burdened as a pastor um, to get as many people to the fueling station as possible. Yeah. Uh, not to fill up on Pastor Tim, not to fill up on the great worship at the avenue, not to fill up on the great community at the avenue, not to fill up on the, the fill up on God himself. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with that being said, I think where I'm encouraging us and where I think we need to set our attention is we just need to live more aware of this new spiritual reality the fact that we're not just saved by god but we actually need god to live and that we can't not we can't survive on um (laughs) a a lot of other things and a little bit of god i think sometimes you know we kind of go into our new years especially with these resolutions and things like that it's like man you know what i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and a little bit of god you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, man, what you, what you really have to do is you got to start first with him and fill the margins with the other stuff. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. He's not saying that you can't look better in 2023 or get those degrees or whatever, 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 whatever. Um, but I think if we start with him and making sure his time doesn't get squeezed, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, then you will – you know the the verse that we jumped off from Ephesians three sixteen that 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 God according to His glorious riches by through the Holy Spirit would strengthen us in our inner man. Um, the idea is we need God, we need Him most because if we have Him, He has the spiritual vitality to do the things that we need. Um, and I would also just take it a step further. Not only does do our soul secular or Christian need God? But the Bible also starts talking about the fact that the regenerated soul actually create, craves God. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I love this. Psalms 42, as the deer panted over the water, so my soul thirsts. When's the last time you thirsted for God? Psalm 63, 1, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Right? Um, Psalms 130 and 5, it waits for God. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits in his word. I put my hope. Your soul desires to bless God. It wants to bless God. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, Nobody's being forced to, well, there comes a point in time where we're not being forced to worship. My soul, want, my soul wants to bless you, right? Psalms 103, 1, praise the Lord. My soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. This is what our souls were made for. This is what they were designed for. This is what they need. They need their God. They need their creator, right? Um, with that being said, I think we really um, have got to learn how to access God. I think so. Obviously, we know that our souls were made by God. Um you know, particularly our inmost being is craving God, and that's what it most needs. And so there was this quote by uh, De- Deborah Maddox at Crosswalk.com where she was just like, hey, you know, um, we, we essentially, um, ha- we are stewards of our soul, and we are responsible for getting our soul um, to the place where it can get God, which is what it most needs. And so we got to learn how to do it. 
we have to learn how to do it, right? Um, in so doing, before we get to kind of how to learn how to access him, we'll, we'll close with that. I just want to talk about why it's so important. There is a, a version of Christianity, I feel like, where you can you can be mustering through your life on a quarter tank. But as we all know, you know, sometimes life gets busy. And it's like, man, I'm just going to put a little bit in. And then before you know it, you go out, you start the day on a quarter tank. And you know, I, you know, I got to go to work and I'll just put a little bit in. And then you come from lunch and now you did from a quarter tank to you didn't lost half of that. And it's like, oh, you know, you can see the the the, the number now tells you, you got 50 miles to eat. It's, it's okay. I got I got enough to get home. Well, then, you know what I'm saying? You drive home and it's like, man, you know what? Oh, man, I got the light is now on, you know, put it in. Then those of us who have done this thing before, it's like, oh, you know what? When the light comes on, it really just means I got 10 miles left. And then, you know what I'm saying? Then all of a sudden something happens. You got to swing by real quick. And before you know it, you out. I think there are dire consequences, y'all, for riding around on a quarter tank of God. There are severe consequences for just putting enough of God in your system. This is what was fascinating me. A lot of the stuff that I, I preach Sunday and that you, you've been inspired by a book by John Eldridge called Resilient. But one of the things that he, he, he pulls out in that book is this idea of the last day. This is Luke 21, 34-36. He says, But watch yourselves or your hearts will be weighed down by dissipation, drunkenness, and the worries or anxieties of life. And that day will spring on you like a, like a snare, like a little trap. It's going to spring on you. Won't be, you won't know when it's going to hit you. It'll spring on you. Talking about the last days. Uh, For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth, everybody, believer, unbeliever alike. He says, so keep watch at all times and pray that you may have the strength to escape all that is about to happen and stand before the Son of Man. This is also familiar kind of language. Paul in 2 Thessalonians, he talks about a great falling away. And, y'all, this is really kind of wild because we... I think some of us are experiencing aspects of this now, like people, our friends who've deconverted, people who are deconstructing. Um, why? It's, it's distresses and that life is hard. It is complicated. It is complex. I don't care whether you're Christian, Buddhist, whatever. All of us are experiencing a lot of collective trauma, things about race and identity in the culture, you, you know, all types of phenomena. It, life is hard. And the Bible is telling you there will be people who will not endure. They will not to be able to endure all the pressures of life. And it won't be because the people who were able to endure is because they were so wise and so smart. The Bible says it'll be because people have enough sense to know they need strength that can only be divinely supplied and they pray for it. Yes. So keep watching all times. Pray that you may have the strength to escape all that's about to happen to you. Paul, as he's praying for the church at Ephesus. I'm praying that God, according to his glorious riches, will strengthen you in your inner man. Yo, you need the strength that only God can provide. And there are dire consequences for your life if you don't get it. Mm -hmm. 
but it's being freely offered. That's all I'm trying to say. He wants to get it. God has a vested interest in getting his beloved children to the finish line. But you got to pull up to the station and let him impart his magnificent strength into your life. So how do we do it? Let's roll real quick. I'm going to give you my, my list, and then I'm going to let Thea and Sabas close us up with a comment or a question. Um, but how do we got, get more of God in us? If we know the consequences are dire, how do we get it in us? Um, I just think it, I don't want to assume. We got to start with processing. And so I just want to encourage you. Um, you can't recover from trauma that you're not aware of, right? You, you, can't, you can't feel and heal things and get strength in places that you don't know are empty. And so I think it just starts with, you know, um, processing. You got to talk about your life and you got to talk about more than sports. You got to talk about more than who's cute and who's not and who's with who and who's there. You got to talk about what's going on in your heart. And you got to let people ask you hard questions. You got to let them ask you um, how you really feel about a certain thing so we can reveal your fears and your idols can come out and your brokenness and your sin patterns and the besetting things that you have that you don't. We just got to hear it. And you got to finally start trusting the church. Like, man, we're not trying to hang you or condemn you. We're trying to get you to the filling station. But, you know, you've been really incredibly good at hiding. And I'm worried about some of y'all that you've been You've been so good at hiding, and yes, you can hide things from your covenant family, but you know what? You can't hide it from God, and you know what? I'm worried that some of y'all have been driving around on a quarter tank, and you're just going to drop. All of a sudden, we just, some of y'all just, why they ain't in church no more? They just, they stopped going. Why? We know none of us ever knew how you were hurting, how much you were hurting, what you were trying to process, what you were trying to go through. And sometimes you don't have enough scent to, to, to fill up the gas tank. Sometimes you got to just let people help you get there yourself. Don't be ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. Don't be ashamed of that, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to learn how to process. You do that with your parishioners, the other brothers and sisters in the covenant family. You can do that with professionals. You can do that with pastors, which is um, your gift, God's gift to the covenant body. Uh, secondly, you got to reorder your life. Listen, if you want to survive in this pagan culture, if you want to survive in a godless culture, um, then you got to be willing uh, to go against the grain of culture. You're not going to get more God in you doing the same thing that your godless friends do. It don't work that way. You got to be willing to reorder your life uh, to make sure that you can take advantage of the strength that God is trying to get to his people. And I think just a couple tidbits. You First thing we want to do is take a hold of our thought life, right? Um, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, we we, we want to try to not get ourselves weighed down by a lot of cares and anxieties. Like, man, you know, is what you're wearing really that serious? Is, you know, is is losing 5, 10 pounds, is that really that serious? Is getting that degree at that time, is it that serious? Is being, living in that place or putting in your kid in that school, is it really that serious? Because remember, you don't have, your soul does not have the capacity. It is not of infinite capacity. That's one thing I didn't tell you. I said, your soul was created by God. It has infinite value and worth. It could be saved or lost. It could be healthy or strong. But your, your soul is not an infinite resource. It doesn't have the capacity to think and really anguish over all the things you are laying on it. Some of the things you just got to let go. You can't control it. You just got to let, man, you have it. And I, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I think you got to commit to the disciplines of grace. If your life does not have structure, 
places in there where you're intentionally turning to the Lord, whether through prayer, whether through meditation, whether through worship, whether through reading of God's word, then you're shortchanging yourself. This ain't got nothing to do with legalism. This has everything to do with getting more God in you so you can keep running your race. Yeah. Mm. Lastly, um, we need to make sure seeking God is now the positive step. There's been a whole lot of negative, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, or, or don't do this, don't do this, keep this, don't do that, don't do that. But here's where you need to be as a believer proactive. This is honestly where I'm praying for our church. I want, mm. I want our people to feel confident about seeking God. It's like, man, I need to seek God. So, amen, brother. Mm. I, need, I, need to, I need to start seeking God. So, amen. Go get it. Right? You know, we, we talked about, I remember sitting at this table, we were doing our Abide um, podcast series and whatever. Wasn't it Abide? See? Yeah. It was Abide. <laughs> but it's like, man, this is, I think some of you wondered I was saying that. I feel like it's crazy to me how the society is flip flop, and I've already exceeded time. I'm so sorry, T. You're I'm, good. Okay, you're good. Right, Keep good, going. Right. But um, take your time. Yeah, take your time, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny to me how I feel like secular society is getting more spiritual, and the church is getting less spiritual. Mm-hmm. So the church is like turning to crystals and the universe and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the society's turning to all that kind of stuff, right? They're they're looking outside of themselves for solutions. Yeah. And then the church is like, oh, it don't take all that. It's like, oh, man, you know, you should meditate on God. Man, you see, you trying to put laws. It's like, <laughs> you're tying my hands. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm just, I'm, I am literally trying to give you what your soul most needs. Um, but some, we're so sub-spiritual. And I think on your road to healing, in your 2023, if you want your life to feel more full, more rich, it's first got to just start with an awareness that God, the God of the Bible, because of the finished work of Christ, he now dwells in you. And if you can't get past that, you will never be able to get to the good stuff. Hmm. You either believe it or you don't. You're going to sit and spend six decades muscling out trying to stop having sex and stop watching porn and being nice to people and all the things. You're going to try to do that for the next six decades in your own strength and hope you escape hell's fires. I'm offering to you a better way of living. That's what I'm doing today. Hmm. Do you realize that that God who had flesh pierced for you not only guaranteed your forgiveness and access to the great thereafter, but a life that is full and rich now. No, that doesn't mean you'll always get healed from all the diseases. Don't mean you'll get all the things you want, but it is a promise that his life can flow through your veins, that he can give you strength out of his glorious riches. It's not even straining him. Like, yo, yo, you you know, you ask your dad, dad, let me get a hundred dollars. It's like, man, I ain't got it this month. (laughs) God got what you need every month. There's no strain. He can get you what you need, yo. And it got to start but do you believe that he's present with you that at any moment in time you can turn your gaze upon him and receive from him all that you need right you got to acknowledge his presence me a couple prayers one just for people who are trying to start learning how to commune with him this is out of um, john elger's book resilient it just says maybe just whisper this prayer jesus i long for your presence lord help me commune with you where you live inside of me 
And maybe that's just a prayer you repeat a couple times a day until you really start to believe that the Holy Spirit is living in you and you have access to him anytime you want. Learn how to love God. Why don't you just pause and just moments throughout the day, just, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. And maybe before I get to my prayer and supplication list, all the things I need, man, I just, I love you. I acknowledge you're here and I want to tell you I love you. We, I hinted at this, but I love this one too. Practicing benevolent detachment is what one of the theories that John developed. Some of us really need to learn how to give our things over to him. Just this simple prayer, God, I give everyone and everything to you. And we just repeat it. They call it benevolent de detachment. I can't control this. If I keep my hands in this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself a hot mess of anxiety and stress. Nope. I give everyone and everything to you. And I believe that. And then we work to let God's truth rest on our hearts. This is how we access that infinite well of strength, this river of life that God wants to give to all his believers. So... I'm going to shut my mouth, but a closing <laughs> comment or question? Uh, Boss has seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, honestly, the I'm a big metaphor guy. That's how I, I feel like I process a lot of things or I communicate. And 90% yeah. of what comes out of my mouth is probably a metaphor. So I was just <laughs> thinking sure. about, uh, um, you know, that car metaphor you keep saying. You're driving your car around. You put $10 now. Oh, and then it runs out, right? Yep, yep. So you made me, you just jogged my mind. Um, I, got a, I got a car a year ago. And uh, one of the first things my, my sister told me was, always have at least a, a fourth of a tank. Never, never try to go under that. Yep. And I was like, why? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> but she said, you know, in your tank, um, you know, your gas is going to be filtered through. Yeah. But the less gas you have in there, the more junk is at the bottom of the, of the mm. gas that if there's not a huge reservoir mm. that it, that will go to your engine yeah. and over time little by little it's going to wear it down mm. come on come on and so then you know i just kept thinking about that and you made me think about that and i was like oh that's that's nuts like even this, this you drive your car you see cars every day and with such a simple thing like that yes you can easily mess up your car by not having there there's there's dangers you yeah. know yeah. There's dangers yeah. um, of, of not having a full tank. Yeah. There needs to be a constant, like, you always need to have a certain amount, and you can't go under that amount. You can't. Because then, what do you do? Because even then, I was, I was I'm, I'm thinking it's like, cool, your car breaks down, you can fix it. Your soul breaks down. Mm. What can you do about it? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Exactly. Because yeah, right. I, I can't fix my soul. No. You can't fix my soul. God is the only one that can fix your soul. Amen. He's the, the only one. He's the, he's the only one with the with the knowledge and the tools and yes. and the only only That's thing right. that can do anything about it. That's right. And That's it's right. like I mean, yeah, Amen. that that that's what I'm like <laughs> kind of like I mean, you just you're you you need to take care of it yeah. and and these, there needs to be a constant just um influx of of just Him. water yeah you know yes yes he, he, and, hydrate and hydrate because then you there's there's a point where you just can't an engine has its point Absolutely. it's breaking point and then it's unfixable and nobody wants to get there and it's sad it is sad. It, it breaks my heart it when is. when people are burnt out or when they when when 
they're so mm. far past that point of unfixable that they mm. can't even see it. Oh, but the reality yeah. is that the Lord, that the God that we believe in, that the mm. Christ that died on the cross for you and for me can still bring you back from that. Mm. But people lose sight of that. Mm. That no matter how bad mm. you get, how worse you get, he, he redeems you mm. and he loves you. And every day he's mm. like, man, I just need you to come to me. Mm. I, just, I just need you to, to relinquish and to... I need you. Yeah. I just need you day in, day out. You wake up and you're just, Lord, I just need you. Yeah. Yeah. For 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 the small things, for the big things, the whatever. What there's nothing too big, there's nothing too small, there's nothing too wide that he can't engulf. Yeah, that's right. That's good. And that's it, right. I mean, and if he if it comes from him, why not why it you it should it. go back back yeah. to him. Amen. 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 Mm. So worry, brother. I have no thoughts. Just a closing question. Yeah. Um. You know, in the portion of your sermon, you talked about getting your soul to God or being God obsessed. Mm. I, you know, I wonder for the person who listens to this and says like, "Oh man, these these scriptures sound great. Like my soul thirsts." But like, you know, um, what if they find themselves in a dry patch? Like, how do at at how do they at that time get themselves to that place yeah for sure no i i actually it's so funny that you say that because you know sometimes i in sermon prep mm. i can get so you know caught in the ingredients that mm. i don't if i don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about how people apply it and i'll be like oops <laughs> you know, I kind of just told them all the info, but, you yeah. know, how do I apply it? And so they're constantly, you know, it's like, man, all right, let's go to the application. And then I thought about two different people. When you when you preach sermons, you want to think about specific people and, like, what how you would mm. tell them to apply it. And I, I went to, like, oh, man, well, this sermon was primarily for the people who consider themselves firmly to be walking. Like, I am a Christian. And this is probably just a call for them to tighten up some mm-hmm. things, right? Um, and then I was like, oh, but what would I say to the person who's like, man, they out. It's like, man, I ain't practicing that. I'm skeptical. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even, you know, where am I on the grid? And I would just say, if you've heard this word and, and, and the voices here and the conversation, um, and if, if you can formulate the question and say to yourself, man, I don't even know if this works, but I want to try. Or I would even be willing to have another conversation. My friend, I just want to tell you, to Sabas's analogy, I think that's evidence to me that that engine is still turning over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is not too late for you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you didn't care about the God of the Bible and if you didn't think that there's a possibility that he had a solution to the aches of your heart, you would not right now you wouldn't even be thinking about sending that email or sending that text Mm. or reaching out to anybody and i think you need to run with the fact that there's a spark um and i would just encourage you some people can take the action steps and they can implement them on their own sometimes we need our friends to bring us to jesus Mm. sometimes we need our friends to climb up on the roof and lower us down Mm. and just get us to his feet yeah. And don't be too ashamed to acknowledge that. And so I would just say to you, if you're like, man, I, 
I still want to give it a try. I, I don't think I'm all the way out. I would if you if I'm your pastor, reach out to me, um, your elder, um, um, and if you are just listening to this and you know your local church, anybody who you know um, is somehow connected to church leadership or whatever, reach out to them saying, "Man, I want to try." to revive and nourish my soul and get it back in front of the God who created it, the God who created it to need him and to run on him. And then you, by all means, take the steps that you heard and say, hey, I want to be faithful to these things. Can you help me learn how to be faithful to these things? Um, and I'm sure there's so many resources, rules of life, medit scriptural meditation apps, Lectio, mm. Uh, 365, the pause app by John Eldridge, um, the book Resilient. Get these things and and just do the next right thing, my friend. God will be faithful. God will honor your step of faith if you just don't think about where where it all ends. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not His harden not your heart, and just just respond by saying yes, Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.